You're listening to the Eyes on Washington podcast, Holland and Knight's overarching public policy and regulation podcast series. Our public policy and regulation group has an ideal combination of lawyers and lobbyists with a comprehensive understanding of the federal policy and regulatory process. This series will shine a light on the shifting dynamics of governmental entities in the ensuing changes in economic or political policies, laws, and regulations that can have a critical impact on the health and future of your business. Hello, my name is Ron Klein. I'm a partner at Holland and Knight uh, out of the Washington, D.C. and Fort Lauderdale offices. Uh, I work in the government practice group. Uh, My background is I'm a business lawyer, but also served in the Florida legislature. And most importantly for this conversation, uh, I'm here with my good friend, uh, Congressman Ed Perlmutter. He and I were elected to Congress in the same year, and he has gone on and continued to just prosper as one of our great leaders in our country. Uh, a little bit of background uh, before I uh, start uh, grilling him. Uh, Congressman Perlmutter represents the 7th District of Colorado. Uh, he is from uh, Jefferson County, a lifelong residence family. There's uh, business there, and he has been a, a lawyer in that area. He was elected to the State Senate, was leader in the State Senate, a great uh, deal of uh, reputation in being a bipartisan leader and working together on solving many of Colorado's issues. I would tell you that one of the areas, or a couple of the areas that he's been so uh, involved in for so many years are renewable energy and smart growth policies. He's shaking his head because it's true. And he was ahead of his time. As we know, these are huge issues right now, not just in Colorado, but for the whole country. And he's been speaking about them, not only in his state Senate days, but as long as I've known him uh, in the service in Congress. And we thank him for his continued uh, speaking out and now, of course, leading in those areas. As I said, he was elected in 2006 to Congress. He serves on the House Financial Services Committee, Science, Space, and Technology Committee, uh, the All-Important Rules Committee, which every bill goes through, and the Select Committee on the Modernization of Congress. Uh, he's never never been afraid to touch challenging issues, uh, uphill battle types of climbs, and uh, the subject matter today is cannabis, which of course is a fascinating issue and one he has taken a great deal of leadership in and really has taken on that climb and is getting close to the top of the mountain, and we're going to talk all about that. So welcome, Congressman Perlmutter. Anything you want to say to start? No, Ron, it's uh, great to be on your podcast. It's good to see you, and uh, I'm happy to be part of your program. So uh, uh, fire away, and, uh, you know, it's it's good to see a classmate uh, from our uh, class that, you know, was elected in 2006, uh, doing so well with uh, such a prominent law firm. So let me, you. Uh, you know, ask away. Okay, thank you, and I thank you for your nice comments, and back at you 100%. Um, so first of all, maybe since the, since the subject is cannabis, and obviously uh, many of us you know, have different uh, knowledge and experiences over the years with, with cannabis and the laws around cannabis and all the rest of that, but why don't you give us some background on the current state of law, both the federal and state around the United States? No, and I think that's really the important sort of focus we've got to take. So You know, uh, there has been kind of an odd history with marijuana, with cannabis over the years, but in 1970, 1971, uh, cannabis, anything with THC was made illegal for all purposes, became a Schedule I drug under the Controlled Substance Act. So it is uh, on par with heroin and morphines and all of the heaviest drugs 
and it was outlawed for all purposes. And that means um, you can't research it, you can't bank it, you can't smoke it, you can't eat it, you can't do anything with it. It's illegal. And so for the last 50 years, the federal law has really been on that track. At the same time, over the last, say, 10 years, we now have 47 states plus the District of Columbia that allow some level of cannabis use. So it could be fully legal like it is in Colorado. We're now up to about 16 states uh, where that's the case. Uh, we probably have a dozen more, or I think 15 more that are medical marijuana uh, states. And then the balance would be CBD, so cannabis oil. And even the medical marijuana or cannabis oil are illegal under a strict reading of the Controlled Substance Act. So it's, it's the, the state laws and the federal laws are in complete conflict uh, at this point, but the states have sort of gone their own direction. And we raised this um, back in about 2012, 2013, as Colorado legalized it. Uh, to the Obama administration and said, you know, they ought to deschedule it or do something because this is really going to become a problem. And uh, what they did was they put out a couple guidances, one through the Treasury Department, one through the Justice Department that said, look, um, we understand that uh, this is uh, against the law under federal law. But we really, if, if you make sure that there's no uh, organized crime, it's transparent, kids can't get their hands on it, and a number of other kinds of provisions, we're going to put an enforcement of the marijuana law or enforcement against cannabis at the bottom of the pile. It's called the Cole Memo and the FinCEN guidance. And so that's, we started down the path of allowing some banking and some other kinds of things to happen with those particular memos. So I'm happy uh, to keep going, but I think, uh, you know, maybe you wanna ask a few questions about that because the legislation is one thing that I'm working on and how the executive has approached it is another thing. Yeah, so that, that's, a, that's a great segue. So yeah, I think obviously we see two bodies of law that are in conflict. First of all, state to state, you have different varieties of the use, but that could be controlled that way. But you still have this over, overlay of the federal government. So it sounds like what you're saying is that the federal government, at least under the Obama administration, was sort of stepped back a little bit. Did that change at all during the Trump administration? A little bit, uh, in kind of an odd way. Um, Trump appointed uh, Jeff Sessions to be the... Uh, attorney General, and uh, as Attorney General, he revoked the guidance that had been offered in the Justice Department under Obama. So the Cole memo was revoked, but Secretary Mnuchin kept the FinCEN guidance in the Treasury Department. So yes and no. Basically, the Trump administration, with the exception of Jeff Sessions and his is revoking the Justice Department guidance, kind of kept on the same course as the Obama administration as it applied to cannabis. Okay, so what are the kinds of things that the federal government can do in a, in a sort of a comprehensive way to allow states to do what they wanna do at this point? So there are several pieces of legislation that are under discussion. The one that I'm working on and have been working on now for seven years 
is called the Safe Banking Act. And what it is involves is providing a safe harbor for financial institutions, credit unions, banks, trust companies, insurance companies, uh, real estate companies, to be able to do business uh, with um, a marijuana establishment, a dispensary, or the like, without um, violating federal banking laws and the Controlled Substance Act. And so it gives the banks a safe harbor, allows them to start providing credit cards and payroll and checking accounts and normal financial services and get the cash that's generated by this industry off the streets. And the cash really attracts crime, robbery, uh, burglary, murder. Uh, we've seen that and we want to, uh, from a public safety standpoint, allow legitimate businesses to have legitimate banking relationships. And so just that's a safe, safe banking. Yeah, so for, for people listening to this, maybe don't know that much about it, what you're saying is right now, you can't use, in general, you can't use banking services. So that means when people go to a dispensary, they're paying cash and they're collecting cash. That's the only way to pay for these goods. And they pay their employees in cash and pay their services, the plumber in cash. Yeah. You know, so it really is just a, a, a heavily cash dominated business right now. Now, we do have still the FinCEN guidance that says we'll allow some banking if you follow all of these protocols, but most financial institutions are nervous about that. They'd like to see real legislation in place. Uh, they don't want to have something revoked out from underneath them like Jeff Sessions did uh, with the Cole memo. So that's where we're going with the Safe Banking Act, so that banks and other, and credit unions, other financial institutions can feel comfortable that the law allows them to provide financial services to legitimate marijuana businesses and, and different businesses that work with the marijuana industry, whether it's the shop ed owner who has a storefront where a dispensary is, or the plumber or the lawyer or the, you know, one of the big uh, supporters of this is Scott's Miracle Grow, which is a major, um, you know, I think uh, Fortune 500 company fertilizer business out of Ohio. And they are say, seeing, you know, much of their business is related to the marijuana industry. And as a consequence uh, of that, plus, a number of Republicans who kind of have a libertarian sort of bent have been very supportive of the legislation that we've drafted. So Steve Stivers has been my main Republican sponsor. He's from Ohio, and that's where Scott's Miracle Grow is. Interesting. We, I, I'm from Florida, and I've noticed that, you know, traditionally Florida has it's a very large agriculture state, which people don't know, but not just citrus, but a lot of the citrus has gone away over the years because of canker. But farmers are very anxious to go into this as a cash crop, and they just view it as a great opportunity. Very conservative, you know, people who just view this, you know, they want to legalize, they want to make sure it's done the right way, and, and they're looking forward. So let me ask you one question that I've been asked about this. Does your bill also include insurance products? Besides, Yes. Um, if, in fact, every insurance association, whether it's property casualty, life insurance, uh, fidelity, you name it, uh, they are supportive of the legislation. We've worked closely with the insurance industry. Obviously, 
uh, with the banking industry, with credit unions, with uh, the real estate roundtable, mm-hmm. uh, with the Armored Car Association, with uh, attorneys general across the country, with state treasurers, because state treasurers are getting paid in cash. So, and, and you know, municipal taxes are being paid in cash. And everybody agrees this just is just a, a real problem and we've got to get it resolved so that normal kind of financial transactions can take place. Now, this bill is focused on banking. We have several other bills we can talk about uh, that are much broader in scope. Uh, I want to get to that in a second. Yeah, I, I, yeah thank you, because I think that is the next question. Before I get to that, though, your bill passed just this last number of days, 321 to 101, which means yes. bipartisan, I understand almost a half of the Republicans and, and obviously even a larger number of them, but the fact that it's bipartisan at this point for a lot of different reasons. But tell me, what, what does that portend for the opportunity in the Senate? So we were able to pass it with big bipartisan support in the last Congress, mm-hmm. when it sat in the Senate Banking Committee, um, even though we sent it to them in several different forms, uh, the Republican Senate just didn't move on it. They're, you know, that's, that was the, the case. Now we were able to pass it again with big bipartisan support. So it was every Democrat and 106 Republicans uh, voted uh, in favor of the bill, which we sent to the Senate uh, last Monday. Okay. And, uh, you know, so we were able to move it quickly, uh, had support of our leadership. And now Sherrod Brown is the chair of the Senate Banking Committee, and he and I have had some conversations. We're going to keep talking. Um, unlike the Republican Congress, which really was very nervous about moving on the legislation at all, even though we had a lot of Republicans as uh, co-sponsors, it never moved. Uh, the Democratic Senate is... Uh, kind of looking at it the other way. They want to add things to the bill, which is uh, great. Uh, they just need to, to actually act. And, and if they add research, because under the Controlled Substance Act, you can't even study right. uh, the effects of THC or cannabis. You can't tax it in a way that makes any sense, because that would be a violation. You know, So it's, it, there's all sorts of regulatory problems and research problems and medical problems. And they want to address those things. And I think that's great, but they just need to really get busy on something. And so I think this will be kind of the catalyst to the Senate actually uh, taking some steps uh, to at least allow banking, probably research, uh, do some things regarding equity uh, with respect to uh, cannabis. Because, you know, a lot of cannabis violations really affected minority communities in a much, uh, in a very disproportionate way. And, and that's one of the things that I know a lot of people would like to address. But as you add stuff, you start losing some Democrats and, and quite a few Republicans. Right. Well, I know there's a lot of criminal justice reform issues that are also tied to uh, this being a controlled substance and, and, and all that. Um, I think that another thing that people are concerned about, and even people that are using it, you know, for medicinal purposes right now, is making sure that whatever is out there, that the efficacy is standardized, that the that they know what they're buying, 
that there's some type of regulatory structure. I mean, the natural progression, I would think, would be FDA at some point or some type of, uh, you know, oversight of what's being sold. And then, of course, the taxing is a second issue. But to talk about where this goes. It's not going to happen in this bill unless the Senate really expands it. But what do you see as next steps for, for uh, the, the industry? Well, I would, I, I'm going to step back to tell you okay. what I think the next steps are, because uh, I don't want to get, I don't want us to get too far ahead of ourselves. So this banking piece is something that has to be dre- addressed because um, the, the financial industry is really under federal law. So the Federal Controlled Substance Act has a huge impact because it's federal law and it affects banking, it affects credit unions, affects anything really in the financial services arena. So it has to be addressed to get the cash off the streets. Now, on top of that, I can see uh, a lot of uh, members of the House and the Senate in favor of research. So to your point, to be able to really study uh, cannabis and THC to determine you know, how um, powerful it is, how weak it is, to, to allow for some standardization, you know, make some determinations. Uh, how does it help uh, uh, medically? Is, is it really a medicine? And how do we want to uh, manage that? So, you know, it could be regulated through the FDA, it could be regulated in a way that is similar to alcohol, um, you know, so that there's a, there's a taxing structure and a regulatory scheme in place that has the states in charge of some of the regulation and, you know, the federal government in charge of some of it. Those things uh, are all up for discussion. And I know the Senate is looking at that. Uh, but again, as you start expanding the um, kind of the breadth of this thing, the potential for losing votes uh, begins to show up, but we'll see. We'll see how yeah, they yeah. Uh, proceed with this. We know we've seen that before. You know, the good intentions of, of, of making a bill better uh, loads it up so heavy that it, when it comes back to the House after the Senate passes it, then it's dead on arrival. So yeah, uh, I know, think I your point. I think the Senate, you know, they've got to watch their own part of the Congress because they some people can be so uh, ambitious that they can't even get it out of the Senate. I think that's, um, you know, like I said, we haven't seen uh, any legislation move out of the Senate related to cannabis. So, you know, and the House has moved legislation. So let's see what the Senate can do. And hopefully they'll get the right mix and be able to pass something back to the House. Yeah, and like you said, in the Senate it takes 60 votes. So that's, that's not the least unless, unless it changes the filibuster. So going back to the Senate and the leadership. So yeah, we know uh, McConnell last time never let it see the, the light of day, which is his prerogative to say, we're not gonna hear, we're not gonna get out of committee, whatever it may be. This time, Senator Schumer, who does control the floor, has been more pronounced and, and that we wanna bring it forward. Have you had the chance to speak to Senator Schumer or other colleagues in the Senate about, uh, you mentioned Senator Brown, but anybody else and just get a sense of whether, how, what they're gonna do with this? Well, so the, the primary sponsors are Jeff Merkley, Senator from Oregon and Steve Daines. So Jeff is a Democrat, uh, Steve Daines is a Republican from Montana. Mm-hmm. So those are the primary sponsors. They are, I think another 38 co-sponsors on top of that, uh, mostly Democrats, but quite a few Republicans. So I think we have 38 or 40 
co-sponsors in the Senate of the Safe Banking Act. Um, I know that uh, Senator Schumer is very interested in moving something forward uh, with respect to cannabis. And I think he uh, is pretty ambitious in what he would like to see pass the Senate. So we'll see what kind of a bill he can put together and what kind of uh, coalition he can put together to you know, pass, uh, whether it's the Safe Banking Act or something in addition to the Safe Banking Act, let's see what he can, he can do to, uh, to move that. But he's gonna be more uh, open, certainly, than uh, Mitch McConnell was. And I saw that recently his home state, uh, which he's paying close attention to, just legalized uh, uh, cannabis in, in, a, in a more dramatic way. So I think that obviously gives him a local, little local flavor on this in addition to his national leadership. So obviously a bill passes the House, bill passes the Senate, then it goes to the president. Uh, what what does the attorney general think about this? And uh, what, do you, what are you hearing from the administration in terms of their views of the Safe Banking Act? The generally open to it, uh, but we've got to have uh, more specific conversations. I had quite a few conversations actually with Secretary Mnuchin about it in the last Congress uh -huh. uh, and had, I, you know, I don't know, I'd be guessing, speculating, but I think had we gotten it out of the Senate, I think uh, he, at least Secretary Mnuchin, was pretty receptive to doing something because again, these banking services that are normal for you know, all sorts of other businesses can't be offered uh, without a lot of restrictions, you know, to a marijuana business or somebody that services uh, the marijuana business. So um, I am planning to have uh, conversations with uh, Secretary Yellen. She and I have spoken about it in the past uh, and also with the White House, but I think they're pretty open to it. Uh, I think that uh, you know, President Biden is opening open to doing something with cannabis. He's a pretty conservative guy on this subject, but I think with respect to the banking piece of this, he sees that it has to be addressed. You know, we just had uh, recently a murder uh, in Oregon where there have been a hundred robberies over the course of the last year. Some armed, some not, but robberies because of all the cash there. Uh, we just had a bystander shot in a robbery here in Colorado. Um, and we've had a murder here, a young man named Travis Mason, who had just come back from uh, uh, Afghanistan, I think, and was uh, serving as kind of a night guard uh, while he was working his way through school and had a couple little kids, and he got killed in a robbery. And so, you know, there really is a public safety component to this that cannot be overlooked. Uh, it just, the, the the business generates so much cash. So I'll ask you the last question for the uh, our little conversation. Using your crystal ball, 10 years from now, what do you see the cannabis industry looking like in the United States? What do you see the use? How do you see the whole picture? Uh, I see it uh, maturing into a you know, fully legal industry that's regulated in a fashion like alcohol. Um, there will be, you know, public companies that will be, um, you know, in this, in this sphere, it'll, will be working with Canada and I'm sure cause they've allowed, so Canada has legalized it across the board and allows for investments and sort of, uh, public financing, uh, 
uh, of marijuana businesses, cannabis businesses up there. I see that uh, same thing in the United States. There will be sort of the medical aspect to it and then the fully legal aspect. Uh, banking services will be provided. There will be research that will allow us to standardize, you know, different kinds of, uh, you know, strains of, uh, of cannabis and the edibles, you know, how potent are the edibles? You know, that's something that has to be done and needs to be done. And I see that all uh, occurring over the course of the next five to 10 years. Well, that makes all the sense in the world. And boy, we have come a long way from the days when uh, Bill Clinton was uh, attacked for uh, inhaling or not inhaling, whatever it is the situation was. But people have changed their views. And I can just, I think I shared with you the story of being from Florida. It was illegal here forever, of course. And uh, it would come up on the constitutional amendment where the voters got to vote every once in a while. Never had enough votes. But I could tell the difference one of the years, just a few years ago, when my dad who at the time was about 89 years old. And when he told me he was voting to legalize cannabis, marijuana, I said, deal's done, it's over, it's gonna pass. And it did, it passed like 70% or something like that. But people in, on the older side were recognizing that there were some medical uses for relief of some pain and some other things that they're dealing with and uh, for some cancer and things like that. So sure. it's, it's obviously, but it, it, but I think I want to just thank you again for your leadership in this, because what you've done is you've taken the most responsible way of thinking it through. Uh, it's, it's not a casual conversation. It's a serious one about something that needs to be treated seriously, both from a law, a criminal law, banking, uh, you know, the efficacy, all those things. So, um, just uh, if you want to close with any anything well, else that we should all be thinking about in cannabis, but we appreciate what you're doing. No, I, I look, you just summarized it very nicely. I called, so when I first started working on this legislation, uh, it was back in 2012, 2013, the, the chair of the committee at that time, Barney Frank, said, okay, Colorado has legalized this. There's going to be a collision uh, in the banking sector. There's going to be a lot of cash here. Let's get this address. So I started working on it. And when I would bring it up, there was always what I called the chuckle factor. Everybody would chuckle about it saying, okay, you're from Colorado, you're a mile high or this or that. <laughs> but by being persistent, even on a subject that really hadn't been addressed since 1971, hmm. um, eventually people did see how serious this was and how, you know, the potential uh, for this business, you know, from all sorts of uh, perspectives, whether it was there's so much cash that, you know, it's going to attract crime to, you know, potentially all sorts of medical benefits to it, to just its normal business, let them have normal banking relationships. So that chuckle factor has gone away, you know, resulted in a very big vote you know, out of 435 uh, members of Congress, we got 321 who voted in favor of it in, in the House of Representatives. So, you know, this is, uh, this is a serious subject, just as, as you said, and, and folks are generally saying, okay, let's just get this thing, you know, out in the open, get the cash off the streets, and let's treat it, uh, regulate it properly, tax it properly, allow it to have normal kinds of business relationships. So, it's uh, we'll see we'll see how it goes but i think we're on the right track with this
Well, I think it's time has come and it's been uh, through great uh, members of Congress like you who have taken on the way you have. And uh, on behalf of Holland and Knight and me personally as a friend, I thank you for taking the time today. And we look forward to seeing great things from this piece of legislation and other things you're working on. Thank you for listening to the Eyes on Washington podcast, brought to you by Holland and Knight's Public Policy and Regulation Group. For more information on our Public Policy and Regulation Group, please visit hklaw.com slash PPR.